Check it out. Friday, October 15, 2021, Stitchcast Studio will open the fall series at 3524 Washington Avenue with the podcast by youth leaders on mental health and healing. The presentation will feature a live performance of spoken word by one of the youth after the podcast recording. Also, audience members may ask questions. Stop and take a trip down on my block Where you see hidden potential Young minds sharper than pencil And ain't afraid to speak their mind If they got something against you We standing with you We tackle issues like civic pride Hate will cease to exist Let's put our differences aside From my side to your side From Dutch Town to South Side From Penrose to North Side From Benton Park to Old North The West End to West Side We bless when we step out We stand down, rise up Stand together, wise up this is Stitchcast Studio, produced by St. Louis Story Stitchers in St. Louis, Missouri. This is season three in this two-part series on mental health. Story Stitchers guests Alexis Evans, licensed professional counselor, and Megan Hill, licensed clinical therapist, will join alongside Story Stitchers youth leaders to discuss this very important topic. Check it out. They say who that, but you already knew that. That beat them Story Stitchers. Story Stitchers. Story Stitchers. Story Stitchers. Story Stitchers. Hello, everybody. Under the sound of my voice, I want to thank you for tuning in to Stitchcast Studio. I'm your host, Brandon Lewis, and I am accompanied by a couple members of our Stitchcast. Hey, y'all. And we are also accompanied by a few counselors who I will let introduce themselves. How you doing, ladies? Hi. Hey, how are you? <laughs> I'm great. Can you, can you, can you, basically, let's just start with y'all telling us a little bit of who you are, how you got into counseling. You you, you know, what what's... what's, what's how, how did we get here? That's a good question. I mean, yeah, it's a loaded question, but I'm excited to answer it. <laughs> well, well, I'll start off with the introduction. My name is Alexis. Um, I'm a licensed professional counselor here in Missouri, and I actually own a private practice. It's called Intentional Living Psychotherapy. And how did I get into counseling? Um, we gonna go back to undergrad. Undergrad, I was in a research statistics class where I learned about disparities that different populations face and that really um, geared me towards um, volunteering. And then one thing led to another. Master's degree, boom, I'm here. Okay, your Dang, turn, Megan. I've never heard nobody describe college like that. <laughs> like, I got oh, a different Master's degree, Ugh. You know what I'm saying, just in my spare time. <laughs> Hey everybody, my name is Megan Hill. I am a licensed professional counselor. Um, how did I get here? Um, I have my own private practice, Melanated Healing Counseling and Consulting. Beautiful. Um, I guess going back to undergrad, I went to Spelman down in Atlanta and I started going to therapy there. And it was just like such a beautiful experience to have somebody sit with me and my experiences and be able to process through them. And so I didn't initially want to be a therapist. I'm like, oh, I'm going to be a teacher, y'all. I love the babies. Got my master's <laughs> teaching certification. Yeah, I don't use that. But then I was like, okay, 2016, let's do this. So I went to Webster, got my master's, and now we're here. Dope, dope, dope. Check that out. Check that out. You see how, like, they they, they both just kind of describe college as a breeze. Like, uh, I hear you. I heard you. Maybe I'll feel like, maybe, maybe yeah. I feel like that when I'm done, too. You know what I'm saying? Maybe that's what it yeah, is. We are, we on the wrong side of the graduation. Absolutely. That's 2020 what it really is. insight is different. Got you. Yeah, I'm just starting, so just, <laughs> I don't know what's going on yet. I feel you. Now, I definitely uh, advocate for therapy. And we 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 gonna talk about a little bit about uh, mental health and uh, the consequences of uh, ignoring mental health and things like that. You know. With that being said, 
can we just get into some of the uh, uh, normal mental disorders that some, somebody who has this might not even know that they have a, a mental disorder? Things, things like, uh, like uh, I, I don't know, OCD and um, and uh, uh, PTSD. Uh, at least in our community, PTSD is uh, kind of normal. So, uh, can can we get into a couple of those? What are what are a few um, mental disorders that you see uh, pretty common? Yeah, I'll go first. I think typically, so what I, I specialize is in anxiety and depression and stress too. And I, like you said, I think that's something that African-Americans face more times than not. Um, and sometimes we don't even know, like that's just a part of our normal everyday life to um, be stressed out, to be overwhelmed, to be overworked um, and the list goes on. But those are some of the few things that I treat on a daily basis is that anxiety and depression. Um, I would say for me, a lot of it is anxiety, depression, stress. I work with a lot of children. I actually am a contracted therapist for a school, for a Catholic school here. And majority of the young people that come and see me is stress, it's anxiety, um, a lot of fears about the future because it's pre-K through eighth grade. And so like that middle school age, that uncertainty, um, but more so in my private practice, it's a lot of relationships and understanding the work-life balance and how to care for family members when they are aging. And so just navigating those pieces, a lot of trauma, just being able to live your life with your trauma and not have it have a negative impact on you. So that's something that I work with a lot as well. Got you. Now, both of you uh, brought up uh, anxiety and depression. So, uh, which, which is a lot of people have both. A lot of a lot of people have both. I think I got a little bit of both. So, uh, for people that um, don't, who maybe don't necessarily trust the process of therapy, or, or or aren't aware of what resources they could use, whatever the case may be, what are some things that they might be able to do on their own to alleviate uh, to alleviate their depression and their anxiety? Um, something that I think that you can do if you don't go to therapy. Um, meditation, yoga, grounding exercises. And I know that's something that you can learn in therapy, but if you go on YouTube and you like Google grounding exercises, deep breathing, um, if you're into essential oils like eucalyptus, it really helps to bring you down if you feel like you're in an anxious state or you're feeling really overwhelmed. Like taking it in, not sniffing it, just be clear on that, but just like a few drops and just inhaling it, taking those deep breaths because deep breathing, it really helps to bring you back down and center you to the present. Yeah, I think what Megan is talking about is like self-soothing. Um, and a lot of people don't want to go to therapy. So that in itself is something that's geared to the person. So she's talking about um, yoga and meditation. And some people are like, I don't really do that. And that's fine too. But you have to find what works for you. So I'll just add on to that. Things like um, journaling your thoughts, because you know a lot of us, again, going back to what we're experiencing on a daily day basis, we have a lot of negative thoughts. So being able to recognize our negative thoughts versus you know what's actually real and being able to tell ourselves something differently. Um, one thing that I always preach to my clients is like working out, um, eating healthy, getting enough sleep. Those are just the basic things that people do, can do to take care of their physical and their mental health. Wow, and, and you know what, I agree with that. Um, ever since I started working out, I, I feel a difference. Or when I feel, you, you know, it's, it's, uh, it, it just helps a lot. You know, I feel more confident now, I just feel better like like in a lot of different areas of life like definitely for me one thing i've started practicing is breathing like 
stopping in the middle of my day. Like, girl, you are okay. <laughs> like this test, it might've stressed you out, but you finished it, it's, it's gone. Try not to focus on things that already happened. Cause I know in a black community, sometimes it is um, very taboo to talk about mental health. They just say, oh, pray about it. The, the Lord got you. And I'm like, well, I don't feel it yet, but <laughs> I would need him to work a little faster or something. And um, I recently started going to therapy. Um, I was like, let's try every two weeks. That was not a good idea. I'm like, woman, I need you every week. <laughs> something is happening every week with me. And I, I feel like um, representation it's like absolutely so like was that big for you did it like discourage you sometimes when you didn't see like representation like black women specifically in the in the, like the counseling field and therapy field? yeah so I'm, I'm thankful that there is quite well i won't say quite a few of us but there's enough there is growing um but our our industry is a woman-led industry um, however, our practices or the models are of a Western culture. And so, it, yes, it can be a little bit discouraging if you go to someone else and they're expecting you to do something else that may be outside of your religious beliefs, your culture. And so when you are able to meet with someone that looks like you and kind of understands your struggle and also give you practical tips, one of the things that we talked about before we started going live was music. And that is also another coping strategy. And so to be able to connect in that way to the music that you like, whether that's like when you're feeling sad and it's like, okay, I need something relatable or something to bring me back up. And so having someone to say like, these are things you like, these are the things you rock with, try that as your coping strategy instead of yoga that may not be your thing. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I understand like it is not everybody's thing, but like you said to your point about representation, it was really, really important for me. Um, but when I, my therapist was black and so that it was just this safety that I felt like this connection to her that like you get me, I don't have to make it up or I don't have to keep explaining to you. Um, and for my clients, I work in a predominantly white school. And so the black children, that is why they gravitate to me because it's just like, mommy, she looks like me. I can talk to her, like I feel safe with her. And that is something that is so important um, going into this profession that you can create a safe space for your clients, for them to want to work with you, even when it's difficult because it is going to be difficult, but it's a beautiful difficult to me. Yeah, definitely. Like my um, my counselor from high school, she's like a second mom to me because she she always snatched me up and was like, "Girl, you need to you need to fix yourself." And I, I like having that that community, knowing that I have like black women. Like my mom, she's cool, but like when I when I see other black women, they're like, "Okay, you want to do what I'm doing? Here's the steps you need to take, and here's what you need to do." Wow. So, what would you guys say to a, uh, I, I, I don't know, a 16-year-old dealing with, uh, pe people that have depression tend to be uh, pretty uh, pessimistic, too. If, if you know, if it's, if it's severe enough, uh, at, least, at least the people I know can be. So, um... What, what do you what do you say to somebody that that that's you know you know super pessimistic pessimistic they, they 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 young but feel like things aren't happening fast enough and all of that you know what I'm saying um I um I think because of social media um a lot of us uh have been misled to believe that that you got to have everything figured out by the time you're 20 or 22 or whatever the case is right and so I hear a lot of uh and I'm 22 now and I hear a lot of people that are 19 saying 
oh, it's just not happening, man. I'm just not doing nothing with myself. It's like, yo, you you 19. You 19. It takes some time sometimes or whatnot. So so what do you what do you say to somebody that's that's, you know, kind of depressed and pessimistic because of the way life is going? I think what I say to them is focus on where you are right now on your journey because like you said, social media has made it so that everything is supposed to come so fast and so quick, and that's not how life works. But I think when you can share with them maybe some of your failures or how long it took you to get to where you're trying to be, that helps them to connect to where you are right now. What can you do in this space to get you to that next level? Um, I think you know, just letting them know that you're not alone in your thoughts and your feeling about like, where will I go? How can I get to that next step? And then also just supporting them where they are and letting them know like, it's okay to feel like it's not moving. Like life is not moving in the direction you would like it to go. Um, because I feel like if you can validate that for them, it makes it real for them. And it's like, oh, so like, I'm not tripping because I just feel like I'm 16 and I can't get this part-time job and I can't get these things. You're not tripping. That's frustrating. It's frustrating. What else can you do? Helping them goal set and figure out what those next steps could look like for them in a realistic way for them. Yeah. I think the thing that you said at the end that I would totally agree with is sit with them where they are. It's not for us to make them feel any differently about their situation, but to validate how they're feeling. Because if I can sit there and listen to you and, and say, I understand how you feel, you know, then I can also share with you what, what Megan said in terms of like, you're not the only one. If, if you are able to have a conversation with me or anyone else, they will probably tell you the exact same thing. So being able to validate their experiences and then also letting them know like that's that's normal. Um, you're probably not the only one thinking like that. And um, you know, what, what can they do? Um, empowering them to figure out what their next steps, even if they're they're not able to get to 20 steps ahead, like what can you do in the moment to make yourself feel better? Do you, um, the, nobody's like legally defined this or anything like that. So what would, what we, what would we describe things like the isms and the phobias, uh, that people have towards other people? What would we, what would we describe those things as if not a, a mental disorder? Human. Absolutely. I think all of us are, are flawed in some type of way. Um, and so, you know, even in my practice, I don't try to put a label on everything that people come in with because again, we are all human that are experiencing things on a daily basis. Um, and so, you know, whether that's our past trauma or the community trauma that we're still experiencing or generational trauma, it's, it's all valid to a degree, but then how do you, knowing what your trauma is, then move forward in ways, um, making better decisions knowing that. But it doesn't have to be a label for everything. It's like, that's that's your experience. Okay, what about your experience do you want to keep? And what about your experience do you want to shed and do better with? And we start there. I think that was, Alexis said it perfectly, you know, you're human. And I think that labeling it defines it as something specific and sometimes you can't just because of people's experiences but i will add i think fear is a huge component to why there are these isms and these phobias because you fear what you don't understand and 
you know, you can't conceptualize why you should understand it. So got you. Got you. Those are really good ways of putting it. So how do you address a person who's like mentally unstable? Like they, they've announced that, hey, I suffer from PTSD. I'm bipolar, schizophrenic and depressed. And you're like, as a friend, I'm like, hey, you need to go to therapy. And they're like, I don't like therapy because, you know, they, they told all my business or they, they prescribed me with all this medicine. Now I'm addicted to it and stuff like that. So how would I address that person? Like you need help, but they don't want to. Well, I think that's valid too, um, because I'm not going to pretend as if there haven't been instances where people have sought help and it did not help. Um, that's an unfortunate experience for that person to have, and I, I wish that they would maybe take the opportunity to try again, um, maybe seeking out a better professional, and there's ways that you can find a person that is better suited for you. However, when you are the person that is dealing with them, I think the only thing that you can really do is have make sure that your mental health is in check and your coping skills are in check because we can't change people. And so if they don't want to seek the help, okay. But what do you need to do to make sure that, you know, how they're behaving around you is not affecting you? For me, I just pray on them. I'm just like, Lord, take that's, them. Sometimes that's the only thing you can do. <laughs> yeah, because uh, college is a mess. But it has happened numerous of times, this instances. And that's why I had to take a break because I feel myself like, I don't want to say starting to care too much, but it's like I, I'm getting too invested in their problems and their emotional emotions. So I, f basically, like, just take a step back. Just know, like, like you said, we're all human. We can't, we can't change the next person. We can influence, influence them, but we really can't change them. We can give them something to think about and ponder on, but you never know how they're going to change those thoughts into something different. Hey, everybody, you know what time it is. It's time right now for our Pick the City Up art interlude, featuring an original piece by Brandon Lewis called Will They Remember, off of Story Stitcher's latest album called The Why of My City. A while ago, I went strolling with a friend down some back streets. I thought that he was happy till he stopped and he asked me, what is the why of my city? Immediately, I thought, what a weird way to phrase a question. Pretending I didn't know what he meant when he said it, he unimpressed, sighs, and repeats himself, what is the why of my city? If we were to jump forward a thousand years, what would they say about my city if my city was no longer here? Would they remember Jackie Joyner, Chuck Berry, Red Fox, Maya Angelou, Dick Gregory, Miles Davis, Dred Scott? Would they remember how quickly bodies filled our cemeteries? Or remember that our city birthed legends because our city is legendary. Will they remember the struggle that kept my people in the slums or that my people used that very struggle to overcome? My friend thinks I'm a therapist. He's depressed and depression is more deceptive than appearances. Appearances can be deceiving and friends can be needy and friends can be greedy. My friend tends to meet me at the corner of broke and brokenness. He reminds me for a while what it's like to feel his hopelessness before taking a break from that to remind me of how alone he is and homie is a soldier. But say lately he done had this helpless feeling, this nervous wreck, unprotected feeling. He can't even help it feeling helpless feeling. And I can't help but feel it. He says, I used to be stronger than I am now. I fought harder, ran longer. When I had to stand my ground, I always stood taller than I stand now. 
It's very rare that I stand now Don't wanna stand out And as I looked at his hopeless face I saw the willingness to stay in a broken place I thought, what would Rosa say? She'd probably tell you to stand up Tell you to stand out That sometimes the best way to stand up is to sit down And would you listen? Or did you forget that we come from a long line of warriors? It is not pressure, but what we do with it that defines us. A cold unmind is mindless. It's pressure that makes diamonds, and you are a diamond. So the next time you're stressed, or you're scared, or you're tired, and you're about to give up, remember the fight is for the fighters and for all of your talk of love for Maya. If you were the caged bird, would it still sing? Because we are at war with injustice and we have no place for a dreamer who is too afraid to dream. They're not good for anything but the ones that are unafraid to dream. They're remembered as kings. And they're remembered as queens. Thank you. What are some of the signs, when, when you're dealing with somebody who's uh, tremendously traumatized, uh, what are what are some signs to, what are, what are signs to look for that uh, their mental health is now negatively affecting your mental health? Like, like something that's different from, you, you, you friend, friends argue, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? When, when you, when you with somebody, it's just not all going to be pleasant or whatnot. So, 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 so like, how do you spot the difference between an unpleasant interaction and them actually negatively affecting your uh, mental health. How you feel, how it lands for you. If you find yourself always frustrated or bothered by what your friends are sharing with you, and it's hard for you to separate it from yourself, then that means something is happening in you because of their experience. And I think, it is important to be able to have honest and open conversations with your friends and your family if you're experiencing that. Like, hey, when you talk about this, this is how it impacts me. Um, I can't always be present for these conversations. And I believe that if it's true friendship and family and they respect and love you, they're able to understand it. It might be hard to hear because it's like, but you're the person that I vent to. You're the person that I talk to. And, you know, sometimes I know I've said it to people like, I understand that you want me to be that person. I can't be that person. Maybe looking for somebody that's unbiased, that they're not invested in that way, but they're invested in your healing, you can have that experience. She said, how you feel? So I'm gonna push back on you more than the other person because I think in order to know how you feel, you have to know what your triggers are. Um, because again, we they're going to be acting out of their triggers and you're gonna be acting out of your triggers. So if you know what triggers you and that person is triggering you, then there needs to be a boundary there. Whether that's saying, I don't wanna talk to you about this um, or not talking to them at all. If it's, if it's a person that, you know, can't, accept that boundary, that's okay too. Knowing what your boundaries are and what you will accept and what you will not accept from Absolutely. other people. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Okay. I have a question. I'm taking a psychology class right now and I know often my professor talks about like um, movie psychology, like what they portray in movies and then like actual like psychology. And so 
we, in movies you have like a lot of like therapy sessions and like what's the difference between like therapy sessions in the movies and like therapy sessions like actually I mean I know the difference but for people who like watching movies and like they go to a therapist they sit on this red leather couch and talk about their feelings for an hour and a half so I just want to let them know like what's the difference between movie therapy and actual therapy I don't have a couch <laughs> listen all I got is a computer screen <laughs> um I think the movie therapy is hit or miss honestly mm-hmm. truly I've, I've seen some things where I'm like that's not what you do like that's not it um and then I've seen other things where I'm like okay that was that was true therapy so um it's hard to decipher because I think again what we're seeing on TV and movies and and music and things may have some truth to them but may also have mm-hmm. some some things that we need to throw out the window like that's not it um I don't know, but I ain't got no couch. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I would have to agree with Alexis. Like, it is, some movies really connect with it, and some of them don't. Um, I think it's just more about the connection and the relationship with the therapist and the client. Um, The only thing I can think of in, like, some of these TV shows is the therapists portray themselves as superhuman, and that's not real. Like, you can solve everything, you can fix everything, and that's not true. That is not, in my opinion, that is not the role of a therapist to fix everything, to just swoop in. No, that's not who we are. Yeah. I have I have one other comment to that based on something that you said. Um, in terms of, like, fixing everything, we cannot fix a thing, okay? <laughs> I'm not here to fix you. I just want to let you know that. <laughs> um, but then also, we are here to guide you. And so for anyone that is concerned about seeking therapy and and what that may look like and the stigma behind that. If your therapist is not guiding you to be true to who you are and what's important to you and, and telling you what you should be doing, that's not therapy. I don't know what you should be doing because I don't live your life on a daily basis. So, but I'm going to guide the conversation based on what you're telling me and using my evidence-based interventions. But this is, this is your life. When you leave this one-hour session, it's it's back on you to practice the skills that you decided are best for you. So, no, I can't fix nothing. I'm not fixing not a thing. I like that. I like that. So, do y'all like like okay? So for artists or or whatever field you're in, uh, professionally, uh, let's say in this example, uh, music. Oh no, if you're an engineer, when you're listening to music on the radio, you kind of hear it with a different type of uh, ear. Because because you you do that you know what I'm saying that that's your job you uh do things like that do therapists uh like 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 when you see somebody's like 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 nervous tapping or something like that do you do you do y'all ever and y'all, y'all gotta point out no names and you know, so I'm not saying y'all judgmental or nothing like Sorry. that but do y'all ever walk down the street and uh, look at somebody and be like oh they need therapy I like to mind my business I yes um, I mind I the business it. that pays you me. Hear me I see it uh but that's not my business um yeah. I think to answer that, I see things. I can have a conversation with someone in passing and kind of understand it a little bit more like, okay, I can see why you would think that way based off your perspective, but that's not my business. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For sure. I feel that. That was such a clean, um, smooth. <laughs> I'm saying, you know what I'm saying? She, she, I feel you, I feel you. I heard clean you. Clean segue. I so. heard you. <laughs> You mind your business too? I mind my business. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, because being a therapist, I think 
I've personally experienced when people hear me say, oh, you're a therapist. Oh, you're judging me right now. Oh, you're psychoanalyzing me right now. No, sir. You you are not one of my clients. Mm -hmm. You are not on my caseload. So... Like Alexa said, I mind a business that pays. I may observe things, but I'm observing them for the sake of observing. Like, I'm not trying to tell you or, no. Mm -mm. Nope, not me. Got no, you. thank you. Got you. Got you. Got you. All right, I hear you. I hear you. So, um, generically speaking, uh, do you think that uh, fame uh, combined with social media, is that a uh, helpful or uh, harmful to... Uh, to mental health like everybody everybody wants to be fam or not everybody but a lot of people a lot of people you know seek fame it's like it's like some people call it the american dream or whatnot you know um a, a lot of people just just they only see one side of it so um in your uh professional opinion do you would you would you say that it's more helpful or or, or more harmful to uh mental health i think it depends on your motives um social media is can be good for a lot of different things if you have a business um it's good for entertainment i know i get on there and laugh at a lot of stuff um and it can also be harmful i mean there were studies that showed you know how much we compare ourselves to other people's highlight reel um and so if you're able to use it in the proper way i don't think that there's any problem with it but we do understand that there are a lot of times you know finding that balance between using it properly and then also seeing what other people are doing and kind of comparing yourself to them. Yes, I would definitely agree with Alexis. Um, it, social media fame, it has its positives and its negatives, but I think viewing your life in your own perspective and not measuring it by what you're seeing because the grass isn't always greener on the other side. It's just fake. I, I mean, but that that's me. So, you know, just being mindful of that and, you know, understanding that even if fame is something that you're reaching for, understanding the steps to get to that. Because I don't really know people that just wake up and they're famous unless they're the child of a celebrity then yeah, you do wake up and you're famous. But if that's not your story, it took somebody, it took steps to get there, so. Yeah, what's your reality off of social media? Because it's cool to put your highlight reel, but are you happy off of social media? Listen, um, that's all I'm saying. Are you really happy? Do you like yourself? Do you love yourself? Forget about them likes. Do you like yourself? Because what happened when they disappear? Yeah. Well, my dad is a cosplayer. And once I told him I wanted to become a music therapist, he was like, oh Lord, just remember that every therapist need a therapist. Is Absolutely. that yes. true? <laughs> yes. I'm in therapy right now. <laughs> Me too. Gotcha. Like, so does like uh, your cases affect you and that's why you need therapy? So it's like a, a cycle of like, no? Oh, so just, just you? I need therapy. Oh, okay. I, I <laughs> it ain't got nothing to do with my clients. <laughs> I believe in therapy uh -huh. and I just feel like for me, it helps me to stay balanced and it helps me to continue to keep going and thriving. And if I'm gonna prescribe it or say, I believe this works, mm -hmm. then I'm gonna work it for okay. myself. That makes sense, that makes sense. That's definitely true. I just I just find it hilarious every time he says that. And I'm like, where's your therapist? <laughs> like, <laughs> like you do it all the time, but I don't see you. <laughs> I think therapy also, it, it's, it's not needed all of the time. 
Um, so it depends on what you're going through. Um, it's not to say you have to be in therapy 24-7, but if there are things that are impacting you, yeah, go and go go grab you a therapist. Go talk about it. So um, can people, uh, out of curiosity, can people that are like, let's say uh, you were her therapist, could she also be your therapist? Or is that like a conflict of interest? Be each other therapist? No, I don't think so. No. Word. No. Word. Is, that, is, that like, is there like a rule against that or something like that? Yes. So it's, it's called a dual relationship. We can't oh. have dual oh, relationships. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I know yeah. what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, is it because of like biases? Like you're her friend? Absolutely. And, uh, <laughs> like, I'm going to tell you <laughs> what I think about your situation. But we have to be unbiased and so that's why we can't, you know, do therapy with our family and our friends because we are biased in that way. I, I know your business, um, but when I am detached from you and I don't know what you do outside of therapy besides what you tell me, then I'm good. I'm giving you my unbiased feedback on what you're bringing to the table. Absolutely. I know when I launched my practice, that was something that I noticed about launching my practice in Missouri, and I'm from Missouri. Um, people like, oh, I want to work with you, and it's just like, no, you can't work with me, but I can refer you. Right. right. Um, and please tell your family about me. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> tell them to come to see me, not you. Um, right, so, right. yeah. How do you, I know you said that, that, your, that your clients don't typically affect you. How do you how do you guys walk away from work feeling? I read in a book that that you're taking that that um and it was a fictional book, so this might not even be true. Y'all can fact check that too. Um, but I read in a book that a therapist takes on the feelings of the client to show them to them, but that they're supposed to leave them like in the office or something like that. They, they, they're supposed to leave the feelings in the office when they walk away from the session. They're supposed to remember. Those aren't your feelings, that's the client's feelings. So how, how do, how do y'all feel leaving sessions? And is that true? I've never heard of that. See, man, they, they I'm not saying I don't know what- I was just like, <laughs> So we are supposed to be empathetic. Um, so there's a difference between empathy and sympathy. And again, my experience is more than likely it is different from the clients that I sit with, so I can't be sympathetic in the sense that I understand everything that you're going through, but I can empathize with you. And so there are times, you know, that I empathize with someone and that can lead me to feel exhausted. But I think something that we know as therapists is we have to have our own practices to be able to deal with not only our own stuff, um, but to be able to deal, um, help people deal with their own things. So no, I'm sorry, I can't take on your stuff. I can't do that. Um, but I can acknowledge where I may have had a similar experience and I can, you know, say I, I've been there. Um, but when the therapy session is over, even if I had a similar experience, I don't have the choice to walk out the door and think about our similar situations. I have to guard myself in a way that when the next person walks in the door, I'm not thinking about that. Um, so there's a consciousness that we have in terms of not taking on our client stuff, but then our practices outside of meeting with our clients, going to our own therapists and working through our own issues, having our own coping strategies, um, knowing our own triggers, um, having supportive systems, all of that. I can't take what you got going on. I got enough right, for me. Right, right. Most of I feel yes. that. Yes. 
It is staying in this therapy session. It is staying in this space. I will create the space for you and and that's where it stays. Um, and I think everything that Alexis said is so true. And even adding, having a tribe of therapists, friends that you can connect with on that level, um, just so that you have that additional support. But as far as like what happens in that session, like Alexis said, even if I have a similar experience, it's, that's just what it is. That is just what it is. But if you find yourself as a therapist having a similar experience and when your client is speaking, it impacts you in some way, that is when you know that you need to go and practice your coping skills or go talk to your therapist about what just happened. Maybe not in that moment, but that needs to happen because you know that transference is taking place. And so just being aware of that. And sometimes I think, you know, you may experience it and you just keep on going and you don't realize that it's happening. But just being very aware, being very self-aware of where you are in those sessions, what's going on with you personally um, can really be helpful. Yeah, that was like my question. Like, what do y'all, excuse me, what do y'all do if you catch yourself like feeling triggered by something someone said in your session because I know for me well I know most of my triggers already and I'm like that friend people go to like hey I'm feeling da 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 and I'm like in the middle of I'm like a flashback so like what do y'all do like if it's like it's like I understand like the coping mechanisms like what I do is just I'm like hey y'all I'll talk to y'all tomorrow let me go home and like pray over myself but like what do y'all do if it's like in the moment and you're just like what do I do next yeah be conscious of it um, because you might get triggered I think some people do have similar experiences but in that moment when you are conscious that's when you really need to be paying attention to what you're saying because what I my trigger and how I respond to my trigger may be totally different from how my client is. And so again, that counter-transference, I don't want to be saying anything to them based on what I have experienced. So you definitely have to be conscious. I mean, I can't tell you this. No, we can't talk about that. Um, But I have to, at, at some point, I have to be quiet and listen to you. And you guide what you want to do about that situation. I can't tell you you know, I had this similar situation and this is what I did. Mm-mm, I'ma just, I'ma note. Okay, well, what do you wanna do about it? How do you feel about that? Cause I, I can't tell you how to feel about your situation. Are therapy, is, is therapy and counseling, are they synonyms or is there a difference? Good question. I mean, I feel like people use them interchangeably, um, but there is a difference between a counselor and a school counselor. So that is, you know, and therapist, like therapist, counselor, I use them interchangeably, but school counselor, no. Yeah. I didn't study that part. Yeah, (laughs) me neither. I think, so therapist is the broader term, but there may be a difference in your like credentialing. So we are licensed professional counselors that also call ourselves therapists, but then there are also social workers who also call themselves therapists. So we got a different degree, um, but we typically do the same things in terms of like talk therapy. Gotcha. And so so, uh, uh, therapy is like the umbrella term. 
and then it's all these different got you got you okay dope so 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 what it what what's the difference between what you do and what a school counselor does well i know a lot of school counselors <laughs> and so typically school counselors if it is more so not mental health school counselors then they work work with young people on like um grades and work schedule not work schedule school schedules excuse me um testing and things like that now then there are school therapists that do the mental health component, but typically school counselors, they may do some small groups, but a lot of times they're helping with the day-to-day function for the students and like preparing them for after, but not necessarily dealing with the mental health concerns. Gotcha. Yeah, my school counselor, shout out Miss Johnson. But she, <laughs> she, like I said, she she helped me with the, the mental health aspect of it at all. I mean, some of it, you could tell it wasn't by the book at all. <laughs> you can't do certain things. But yeah, she was just like in between. I mean, she had, had credentials in like both mental health and like school counseling. So there were some facts that I was like, okay, I have to listen to that. And then some of it's like, you bring in, the hood in the school and I can't <laughs> I, I can't do that at the school I'm at I, I yeah that's that's the beauty of having a black therapist with yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah she was she was like somebody when she have no kids but she's everybody every black like woman like mom and I love her for it dope that's dope <laughs> representation dope. is like key uh, what's the what's the first thing they teach you when you when, uh, when you when y'all went to school what was the first or at least the first big thing that stuck out to you I say two things. My first class was orientation. So there's a lot of different things that we can do with our degree. We can be teachers. um, We can be school counselors. We can be mental health counselors. um, And so that was important to know, like, what do you want to do with this degree? Um, And then secondly, I don't remember what class it was. Um, but all throughout the program, we, we learned about self-awareness. And I feel like that is the biggest thing because before you can like teach someone else to be self-aware, you yourself have to be self-aware. So that, that, was, that was gold. I was like, okay, I, didn't, I was not self-aware until my graduate program. I wish we could talk more. We running out of time. I wish we can keep going. This is just so much that people need to know about mental health and whatnot. But, but definitely, yeah, yo, I was saying that before we even... It's probably gonna happen. You're right. Um, so uh, before we close out, is there anything that either of you would like to say to the uh, public? Anything that they should know, that they should be more aware of? Any tips? Any anything? The only thing I would say is just to acknowledge we are still in a global pandemic. I don't care what nobody says. Okay. Um, on top of everything else that we have going on, and so just being able to um, take care of yourself. Alexis said it, take care of yourself. Um, Love on yourself. As much as you want to love on others, pour that into you as well. Um, You cannot cannot pour from an empty vessel. So just love on yourself, whatever that looks like for you. Um, Hopefully it's something positive and healthy, Um, but just love on yourself, take care of you take care of all aspects of you. 
Uh, I want to thank everybody uh, for tuning in and listening to Stitch Cast Studio. If you're in between the ages of 16 and 24 and want to know how you can join our next podcast or how you can be a part of our Story Stitches family, you can find that information on storystitches.org. If you just want to know what we have coming up next, we got a bunch of fun stuff coming, bunch of bunch of we got a we got a lot of everything coming. So if you want to know about those things, you can also uh, check us out at storystitches.org. Uh, if you like our podcast, you can like us on Podbean. Uh, you can also find our podcast anywhere else that you listen to podcasts. Make sure y'all follow us on Instagram at Story Stitches. And that's everything I got for y'all. Thank y'all so much for listening. Peace and we out. Peace. Bye. 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 <laughs> hey, yo. Thank you for listening. And last but not least, we want to give a very special shout out to the Stitchcast Studio sponsors. Stitchcast Studio Season 2 in 2021 is sponsored by the Spirit of St. Louis Women's Fund three-year grant from 2020 to 2022. Arts and Education Council, PNC Grant, and Lush Corporations, the Charity Pot. Peace in the Prairie is presented with support from Missouri Arts Council, a state agency which receives support from the state of Missouri and the National Endowment for Arts. Additional support is provided by the Spirit of St. Louis Women's Fund, Missouri Foundation for Health, City of St. Louis Youth at Risk Crime Prevention Grant of 2020, Stewart Family Foundation, and Cransburg Arts Foundation. Story stitches, story stitches, story stitches, story stitches, story stitches.